Kia ora whanau and welcome back to Ngahere Talks. Today Mal and I, we sit down with Peter Tynan, the CEO of Foundation North. Foundation North is Aotearoa's biggest philanthropic funder, uh, formed by the sale of the ASB Bank, I don't know, a while back. Anyway, all this cash goes in to generate millions and millions of dollars a year that gets put back into the communities of Auckland and Northland. Peter Tynan grew up in South Auckland, he's now the CEO of Foundation North and so we sit down to hear a little bit more about him, learn about leadership and also ask him a few hard questions on what Foundation North is doing for our people, honouring the treaty and investing in South Auckland. Let's go! Oh, well, kia ora and welcome everybody to a bonus episode of Ngahere yeah. Talks. It is really choice to have with us today um, the CEO of Foundation North, Peter yep. Tynan. Did kia I say your, your name Perfect. right, Peter? Spot on. Kia ora, Peter. Kia ora, Peter. Welcome to the no show. One gets that right first time. Really? <laughs> um, I've got a skills in linguistics. Got a skills. <laughs> she has got a skills and also um. an accent. <laughs> So it's Manu and Mal here with Peter. We're going to have a chat today about a little bit about who Peter is and, and about Foundation North as an organisation um, and the role that they're playing in South Auckland and then also really keen to get some advice and some wisdom from Peter about what it is to, to be a leader um, in some big um, organisations mm. and also a leader that leads in places where it's important that people are served well. And I think that's what I really like, leadership for impact. Um, so... Welcome to the show, Peter. Um, we're going to take a little bit of time to introduce ourselves and what we do here. We um, we run, as you know, I think already, we run Grid Monaco, which is a, a space for creators, innovators and entrepreneurs here in South Auckland in Monaco. Um, as part of that, we run the Tukua program, which, Bob? Uh, the Tukua program supports creators, innovators and entrepreneurs in their journey. Um, and we, cre- cre- we support them by creating workshops that is really responsive to their needs um, and also the space for them and the connections for them to be able to grow. And it's uh, Foundation North have been one of the, the biggest supporters of, of Tukua. Yes. Um, and really awesome to see that that's going to continue, continue and it's going to yeah. grow and the partnerships is going to keep getting better from here. We also have another initiative that Foundation North has supported is Corne, our online um, e-commerce platform, which helps develop the skills and knowledge of entrepreneurs and innovators um, and taking them on a journey of developing a brand that can help them build their own capacity and build their own economic status for them and their whanau and their communities. And then we also focus on um, digital content creators and storytellers and we have a a whole social media focused service in there as well. So we like to do all sorts of things. (laughs) I think we've learnt in this year of COVID-19 that that's a a really good way to play, um, to not have all your eggs in one basket because as soon as one basket gets taken out of you... um, if that's all you've got, yeah, things are over. So we're really thankful that we have a lot going on, despite how challenging it can be. So no my heart and my Peter. Um, we won't get too much more into talking about us. We're really keen to hear about you. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself in, in whatever way you want to. Kia ora. <coughs> Pardon me. So uh, my name is Peter Tan, uh, called Peter Tan and Tuku Anwa. I am the CEO at Foundation North. And I've been there for a little over a year. So I'm kind of a newbie mm. to the Foundation North scene. It's been going since 1988. Uh, and before that, I was actually at Kaipara District Council, which is, as you know, council which had a bad rap from up north. Mm. But, uh, it's actually a really cool little council. And uh, before that, Southern Cross Healthcare, which is New Zealand's biggest um, private healthcare provider. Mm, yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. So and I, ran the, uh, I ran the health insurance business there, which is a membership organisation. So it's all about its members. But... We had quite a few, so we had almost 850 
thousand members. Wow. Mm. So it was it was a big deal and a and a big gig and I'm really pleased now to be at Foundation North after doing that. So Yeah, yeah. That's kinda of me. I used to live um in my early days just over the road. We're in Manukau now. I used to live over the road and uh, bike to school every day. Yeah. What school <coughs> did you go to? And my parents down the road we had a glass house, two thousand uh, tomato plants which in the morning I would drive the car to the markets to drop off the tomatoes. Good choice. And, wow. and then come back home and then go to school afterwards. So yeah, yeah. Um, I kinda I love South Auckland, that's sort of part of me and uh awesome. Papatoe Manureba where we used to live down the road. So mm. uh, really cool. Yeah, awesome. What school did you go to? I went down the road to that uh, that other private school thing. <laughs> called, called King's College but yeah. <laughs> the one that we all drive past yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No. So, yeah, a lot of people came in by train and um, boarded so a lot of my good friends were the boarders because I was just down the road so they would come home and have Kai yeah, oh, awesome. okay. yeah. yeah. I always see those King's College boys walking over to BK yeah, just right. across the road there yeah I'd often yeah. tomato sandwich you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh you must have been popular with your tomato sandwiches yeah, <laughs> yeah that's awesome I mean I was going to ask you a little bit more about your upbringing but I feel like you've shared. Were you born in, in Auckland or have you lived anywhere else? I was born else? in Wellington. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. And lived in a little place called Tawa. Yeah. So if you know um, Tawa, it's on the side of the hills, just coming out of Wellington. Mm. Uh, and great part of my life was spent there until I was seven or eight. I do remember coming to Auckland, uh, and in those days there were very few safety rules. And I was so small, I could actually lie across the back window of the car. Yeah, yeah. With one of those old Valiants. You remember the Yep, I remember yeah. the Valiant. That backstash. So I, I sat across and slept on the back window for half the trip up to Auckland. Mm. Wow. And when we got here, it was just the cat and I in the back seat. <laughs> My mum was driving. Those were the days, eh? Getting roasted Those for doing that days. now, eh, as oh, a parent. Honestly, I'd be terrified to do it too. Um, Peter, I just want to ask you, I read in your short bio that you are a keen cycler. Um, I We've been recently introduced to the world of e-biking. Um, I wanted That's to get true. you there. We're e-cyclists. We <laughs> are e-cyclists. I want to know, as a cyclist, are you judgmental of e-bikers? Uh, no, actually, I think it's, it's a revolution for... Actually, I'd love to get an e-bike, and I've been speaking about it for a long period of time, but I just can't quite get there yet. So, mm. while I'm still able to do the big bikes, then I'm kind of okay. So, I, I started when I gave up. Um, sort of playing major sport and my knees wouldn't work anymore and so the doctor said to me I can keep operating on your knees but why don't you just go cycling instead mm. <laughs> so I started cycling and I set myself a goal so I'm a bit of a goal freak so I like to have aims and goals and so mm. I said okay well what can I aim to do on a bike that that would challenge me and so I looked at the round Taupo cycle race and I remember buying the bike with eight weeks to go to the biking around Taupo and um, when I finished it I was so exhausted, it took almost six hours, and I was thinking, that is the worst wow. thing I've ever <laughs> done in my life. And, and a person said to me, you'll be back next year. I said, what do you mean back, back next year? He goes, you'll be back next year. This is like childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> you'll said, forget. You'll forget. <laughs> you forget the pain <laughs> was you right? Through? Absolutely right. So I've done, it, I've done it eight times now. Oh, wow. And I'm really annoyed about COVID because it's, it's prevented me doing it the ninth time. Oh, so yeah, the, yeah. the dream is to do it ten times and then you get a gold certificate and then you can stop. Oh, wow. Oh, that's Every awesome. time do you say that's the worst ever, I'm never doing it again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> like childbirth, like alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Not doing that again. Until <laughs> you recover. That's awesome. Are you um so you must be a fan of spandex then? Oh I love all of that, yeah. 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 Nice, it keeps things nice and smooth. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything where it's supposed to be. And how together. <laughs> well, uh, if plans work out, eh, we'll have a couple of e-bikes on site for e-bike meetings. That's that one of the, one of the one things of we want to have going on. Yeah. Um down here, encourage people to get out a bit more. 
not stuck in the office so much. Oh, you've got to do it. Yeah. You know, that's the joy of cycling. In, in Auckland, you think, oh, am I going to be safe? There are so many cycle lanes, so many places you can go. Yeah, yeah. There really a day. are. You, we're really quite lucky. Mm. It's not as, you know, it's not maybe as well set up as Christchurch, but mm. it's pretty good. Yeah, we're getting there, eh? We're getting there. Okay, and one more question just about you personally. Like, what would you say has been your greatest achievement so far in life? Um, I'd, I'd be really um, remiss if I didn't talk about my kids. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my daughter is um, just finished playing in the uh, uh, the Advantage Hockey Trials for New oh, Zealand, wow. so down awesome. in Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, and she, yeah, she rocks it, basically. So, well uh, done. She's an incredible individual. And my son, who's slightly older, has just finished in the Interprovincial Golf Champs. Both of them are really um, spectacular people. Uh, awesome. So I guess the uh, proudest moment would be that seeing them succeed, which mm. is which is awesome. Yeah. Um, they're just really good people. So Yeah. So they both like hitting things with sticks. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they get that from you? Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, mate. you got to have good coordination. Well, to, just like Dad. To be good at that. <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to your children. Grandchildren yet? Uh, no. Not yet. I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> 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 no, and change the subject. <laughs> cool. All right, let's get a little bit. Just to, um, I feel like a lot of our listeners, um, our listening group, are really interested in the whole area of funding, um, philanthropic funding, um, getting an idea and growing it, um, and a lot of good listener base in South Auckland. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about Foundation North a little bit more first, and then get a little bit more of your advice after that. But what are you so far a year and a bit in? What do you love about your role at Foundation North? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm kind of the cheerleader as well as the orchestrator of things, you know. Mm. So I like um, that. The role of the CEO is really to make sure that everybody else is successful, mm, and, and yeah. that goes for grantees as well as for yeah, nice. you know, our staff and our team. So um, I'm kind of the go-between. If you think about a seesaw of between the board who governs and and management, you're kind of the fulcrum in the middle, which mm. makes sure that everything is balanced. So um, my my biggest challenge is making sure that I'm in that role of balance and that yeah, we're making yeah. success really successful decisions as a management group, but also that the trustees do the same. So um, that's been the, the last year in a nutshell is trying to get that balance right. Yeah. So um, we've kind of gone through a, a little a mini journey where we've tried to simplify everything because um, I guess the first impression was that we did appear overly complex to mm. grantees coming to us. Right. And we still have a long way to go. You know, the processes that we've got in place. I have this wonderful saying, which is, how much process is necessary, and the answer is just enough. Mm. Yeah. And so nice. we haven't got that balance yet. We've yeah. still probably got too much of a lean towards having too much um, process, but we really want to go out and touch grantees. So the biggest change we've made is uh, we're really going to go hard on engaging and trying to go out and reach communities mm. much harder, Yeah. Um, not just with branding. Uh, I know we're everywhere in South Auckland, but <laughs> we, we could be more places, uh, and particularly in Māori Pacifica, yeah. really desperate to make contact with those who want to do more in the community. So that's that's really critical. Yeah. So my, my role is um, is kind of in that balancing fulcrum, making sure that everything is working. Mm. Um, therefore, I, I'm in a learning phase as well about what we're doing with the community, so it's fantastic to meet you too. Yeah, also, awesome. it's really cool to have you out here. Yeah, it is really awesome um, to have I think you within here. a lot of the people, I mean, maybe a better way to say it is there's a big perspective of from the outside looking in at Foundation North and how do I get the money? But then how much of your role is also ensuring that there's always money there? Yeah, so we only do two things. We, we get it in the dorm and then we, then we distribute. So yeah, yeah. the first one in terms of investments, the investment portfolio, for anybody who doesn't like numbers, you can turn away. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a big portfolio. It's 1.5 bill. Um, it earns around about 100 million a year, you know, if mm. we're lucky. COVID, we lost 120 million in two months. Wow. You know, 
And we're just in a really good position. What were those investments? Years. Tourism. <laughs> <laughs> Across the board. So yeah. You know, we have very big exposure to global equities. Mm. Um, we have some local equities. We have some infrastructure. We have um, some cash. So, across the board, it, it you know for that team, it just look really yeah, it looks really yeah. lovely. Almost all of that's come back. So yeah, for the year to date, cool. we're 150 million up. Wow. <laughs> so go figure. Where did where did that come from? The housing um, market. <laughs> and so that that portfolio is really well managed. It's well it's well diversified, so mm. it can withstand those shocks. And if we keep if we keep earning at that rate we will look to spend about half of that in grants in a year. So wow. if, if you think around numbers, if we make 100 million, we will, we're looking to spend around about 50 million. Mm. And in the last year, we'll, we'll do about 40 to 45 in grants. And that's where I guess most people are interested is, you know, how do, how do I get hold of a grant and what are you, what are you interested in? Um, and so I can talk a little bit more about that. There's different avenues. So mm. we have very small grants, which we call quick response, mm. QRG for short, quick response grant. And they're for those under 25,000 that people just, they've got a small project or they don't need a lot of money. They need a little bit to get over the line. And that's that's pretty much online. And we turn those around hopefully really quickly. So mm. we're looking to turn them around sort of six to eight weeks max. Mm. Um, they're delegated by our board to be signed off by myself and the CFO. So we, you know, the quick response is designed to be get out there quickly. Then community grants has been sort of one up where over 25,000 and you've got a bigger project underway. Mm. So we're really, right. really keen to hear that. There is more process around that at the moment. Um, and so a normal community grant, we'd like to talk to people first before they apply, see what they're up to and make sure that it fits with where we want our strategies to go. So um, that's really cool. Mm. Buildings, we'll take grant applications for buildings. At the moment we're doing that, we're going to be doing that every two years. So we're keen to hear people who want um, capital for buildings. Mm. Um, and then what, what we've done more recently under COVID is we did set up a separate um, allocation of funds for COVID response. Mm. So people who were and, and probably still are badly affected by COVID, again, trying to meet our strategies, we'll look to grant under that, that, under that allocation. So um, we're doing that. And then the latest, greatest and newest thing is something called impact investment. Mm. So with that little portfolio of, of, um, that we have, the billion dollars, we've said, okay, we're going to try and set aside some money for investment that means we do want the money back eventually, mm. so it's not a grant. We want investment into areas where they're going to have a big impact and we don't want more than 2% return. Mm. So nice. you know, if you go into the bank and say, oh, I want to buy this house and do something with it and, and I know it's going to make money and, and it's going to, these, these are the benefits to the community, social good, um, environmental good. Where do, we, where do you get that sort of money at those sort of rates? Mm, like you yeah. still don't have the impact. And so we're trying to set that fund up at the moment. Mm, cool. um, we've allocated $30 million to that. And I can see in the future that could be up to a hundred million. Um, the number one call at the moment on that fund is social housing mm. well, yep. and community housing. You know, so yeah. the waiting list for community housing is, I think, twelve thousand at last count, and probably going up. We've funded uh, something called uh, community finance that's built one hundred and twenty houses, awesome, uh, th three lots of forty, uh, and we've helped them do that. So we gave them a loan. We're expecting to get the money back at some stage um, over a five-year period. Mm. So, so you can see really there's, cool. there's different ways you can come to us yeah, yeah. for different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, the strategies that we've got that we're trying to fund towards, uh, the first one is, and it's sweet spot here, um, <laughs> so increased equity, particularly in Māori and Pacific, and focused on uh, either youth, young, or um, in this case, growing community. So mm. for us, really important to do that. The second one is social inclusion. Mm. Uh, so around those groups which are excluded today, so right. particularly yeah, some of the ethnic groups, migrant groups, mm -hmm. a rainbow community. Mm. So trying to find ways we can sure. make sure that that reduces that exclusion. 
Right. Then, then what I call the green ticket. So the green ticket is, as you'd expect, a regenerative yeah. environment. Yep. So that talks to maybe a lot of things around um, either either creating or maintaining a natural environment. We have a big fund set up for Haraki Gulf restoration mm-hmm. called GIFT, where we're trying to make sure that the harbour is restored in some way to its former former glory. Mm. Um, and, and so that's really big. So the green ticket's really big. And then our last bucket really is a bit of a catch-all, which we call community support. Mm. Right. So we are trying to move the funding, from, and that's probably 90% of what we do today. We're trying to move it from that big bucket into these three really focused areas. Awesome. So we're really looking to reach out into South Auckland. Yeah. And people come see us and go, we've got these things that we want to get done and we, we want to listen and hear and talk about it. Heard to hear, people. I just realised that we didn't actually even put a little thing into... Um, into like intro of Foundation North, but essentially it is the is it the biggest philanthropic funder in New Zealand? Yeah, look, we probably are. Um, yeah, and so you service Auckland and Northland. I'll see if I can describe it, and then you you tell me if I get it wrong. Give eh? a mark out of ten. So service North Auckland and Northland, and the fund came from the sale of the Auckland Bank. Is that right? And so it's in public hands. All the trustees on the board. Um, have to go through a process through government, is that right, through the DIA? Very close. Before I'll, they can I'll, I'll get you, on the board. I'll give you yeah, an A-minus cool. for that. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, good. That's it. a good mark. <laughs> uh, 1988, sale of ASB Bank created a bunch of money, mm. uh, and so the proceeds from that sale were dumped into the – it was an existing trust. Yeah. And in order to that for that to occur, because it meant selling what was a, a trust bank to an off, offshore entity, in this case Commonwealth Bank of Australia, the government said, we will appoint all of your trustees – Mm. And we will determine basically your your remit. So yeah, we set cool. up under a trustee, very unique thing, mm. a community trust in New Zealand, very unique. So set up under a trustee. All of the trustees are appointed by the Minister of Finance. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So he generally, at the moment, Grant Robertson will look for representation amongst mm. the community. So that's both of, of group as well as district. So we yep. have three Northland trustees, <coughs> twelve trustees from Auckland. Uh, and by rotation every year, three or four of them drop off and another three or four come on. Mm, so the maximum time that you can spend is probably around about nine years as a trustee, mm. right. uh, but most of them serve a term of four years first and then uh, see if it's still for them. Yeah, wow. awesome. So governance side of it is quite complicated. You know, at one stage I think we had more trustees than staff. <laughs> <laughs> so at this stage it's kind of balanced up a bit. Yeah, and, yeah. and has a political flavour in there. Just by the nature of the way that is, eh? They're really careful, the trustees. I've got yeah. a, I'm very proud of them. Most, in most cases, when they come into the table, they, they put their political aspirations aside and they're focused right. on the community. Yeah, awesome. And, and the vision for, for, the, um, for the trust is enhancing lives. It's as simple as that. So nice they come simple. to the table with that in mind of how do I enhance lives in Auckland mm. and Northland. And if they, if they can keep true to that, which they will over time, and keep to those strategies, I think we'll be really successful. Yeah, yeah awesome. So. I feel like that's a perfect segue, eh? Yeah. yeah, and to, um, you know, I was going to ask, Peter, we are a um, couple of Māori wahine, uh, our business is Māori-led, um, we unapologetically focus on supporting and delivering to Māori and Pacifica communities um, in South Auckland, and I just wanted to know from you, what, what role does the treaty play in within Foundation North and the decision-making strategy? Yeah, huge. So um, maybe talk about that trustee because there's no mandate in the trustee for us to do that. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's the first point to start. Mm. We're trying to change that. So we're trying to change it so that all the trustees for all the community trusts across New Zealand actually have that commitment to the treaty. 
Awesome. awesome. And Titoregi. So we're trying to do that at the moment. How hard is that? Um, I'm hoping it's going to get signed <laughs> up to Christmas. Oh, awesome. That's how good that is. Yeah, wow. so that's really cool. We've, we've come a huge long way. Uh, Matua Kevin, who is um, our kamatua from Natihini, uh, has always said to me, you know when I arrived it was a Pākehā organisation, now it feels that it's balanced and starting to become so. So mm. um, really nice to hear those words from yeah. uh, Matua Kevin. So it, it's not actually our trusted, but we've got it in our business plan. We've mm. got it across what we do in terms of engagement. We're not there yet because everybody in the organisation has a level of learning to do. So mm. Yes. Sandy always complains to me, sitting over there, that it's a journey, but it is a journey because you can't change, you know, 100 years of disgraceful behaviour and try and change it in one year. So exactly. we're, taking a, we're taking a look over this long period of time. We've tilted awesome. the playing field towards Māori and Pacifica. Mm. There's yeah. no doubt we've tilted the funding and we've tilted the playing field. Yeah. We're targeting to do that. Yeah. But we won't do that by coming in and saying, this is what we think you should do. Mm. We will only do that by... Groups, communities, iwi hapu coming to us and saying, "This is what we want to do. Does mm. this, you know, can you support this?" So yeah, it has to awesome. be led. That's so good. Um, tenoranga tera tanga. It's got to be led by Māori, and we don't want to be in any other way. Mm. We've got a, a Māori strategy, but but to be honest, I, I go so what, you know, so what to the trustees, so what to the business plan, mm. so what to the strategy. It's what we do every day. Yeah. Nice. So for me, it's about what we what we're doing in South Auckland mm. is to be with the community and how we behave. Yeah. So we've done, a lot of, we've done a lot of work around values and, and we did that this year with a bicultural focus. So all of our values about how we behave mm. are now in Tarao first and in English second. Yeah. Awesome. And the very first one, Kia Katahi Tahoi, talks about paddling together. Yeah, nice. So that paddling together in unison, um, in harmony, is what we'd like, that's what we're aspiring to do. Mm. Um, the other one that maybe has is, is got some real resonance and I think is unique, I haven't been in an organisation that it's been so strong, is the value of whakamana. Mm. So for us, whakamana means how can we uplift, reinforce and make groups fly? So how, mm. do, how do we take groups that maybe don't fly today and make them soar? Mm. And that whakamana value is now starting to come through in the work we've got. Awesome. So you see in our Facebook page, you'll see in our Twitter stuff, you'll see in how we're going to behave at meetings and hui, mm. is that it's all about how, we, how can we make you soar? How can yeah. we make you better at what you're doing? Because yeah. at the end of the day, all we've, all cool. we've basically got is some cash and some money, some putia to, to spend. It's you who are doing the mahi. Mm. Yeah. So we're just here to cheerlead and be your biggest cheerleader to keep doing what you're doing yeah, with cool. the grid, with Cornet and fantastic work. Yeah, awesome. awesome work. Thanks, Peter. It's nice to hear that. Yeah. It's nice to hear that come from, from you as well. Hey, Auntie here. How you been? We've been busy as getting together some of our own local talented young brands so that you can support Aotearoa in one of our favourite ways, shopping. Come and see what we've made for you at www.kone.nz, a new online shopping experience. I think just to carry on from that, so to focus a little bit more in on South Auckland, you know, it is a place where there are many communities that um, are at the tough end of, of the inequity that, that Foundation North wants to focus on. You know, intergenerational trauma, it's still mm -hmm. there, people are still dealing with that. Can you tell us a bit about what Foundation North is doing to make an impact in South Auckland communities like already and in the future? Yes, we've done a, we've done a, a range of different initiatives. We're trying to be innovative, basically. We're trying mm. to look at it differently because I think yeah. the general cliche is whatever's been in there in the past hasn't worked, so mm. let's try something new. So, you know, we've done a couple of things differently this year. One of the ones with Pacifica is we've actually done a Pacific Youth Leaders participatory grant-making programme. Now, that mm. sounds <laughs> lo long words, right? <laughs> what we basically did is we found these really amazingly talented Pacifica youth and we mm. said, we're not going to grant 
you grant. Here's the money. You go and reach into community. You find the you find the opportunities. Awesome. You then make the decisions on the granting. We give you full license to go do that. Wow. Mm. And I remember the very first time that I met them, um, and they said, "Oh, we've done the first granting round. We've got 28 applications, and we've and we've this this is the list of 28." I said, "Like who missed out?" And they said, "No one." I said, <laughs> "I said, well, what do you mean?" <laughs> they said, "We don't think anybody should miss out." Yeah. And that was just so refreshing. Yeah. 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 So then I thought, yeah. well. I have to add some reality. Occasionally people do have to, you have to make choices. You have to choose some over others that have more impact. And so instead of saying you don't have the money next time, the next time around I challenged them and said, I come give you another dollop of money. Mm. I'm going to give you an extra $10,000. You tell me where you want to put that. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, nice. Well, we still didn't think anybody should miss out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. The other one was we have a South Auckland Innovation fund that we've been running for a couple of years where we're looking for new ideas, mm. new ways to do things. Yeah. Mm. And people come to us and again around about 20, 30 organisations currently have received money out of mm. that innovation fund. Um, we looked at Game Tan downstairs which did yeah. an amazing job. Yeah, Digital yeah. education um, exceptional. We've got garden projects, um, Kai projects. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to be innovative in South Auckland and yeah, that's cool. the nature of what we're trying to do here because we, we think to have impact and change the dial we have to do things differently. Yeah, awesome. And like Mal said, you can see you can see the presence of Foundation North. I think in the the two years that we've been here, yeah, how much it's increased in South Auckland. So yeah, so far, so good. It's a good start. Yeah, good start. Yeah, <laughs> start it's a good start, eh? And um, just one more question around that, Peter. What what advice do you have for uh, South Auckland communities that want a key to Foundation North's vault? I think come talk to us. So. Um, as much as there's information on the website, we, we have people based here in Taha. Yep. Um, come talk to us, phone us up, have a chat, send us an email, just get in contact first. Mm. See whether or not what you're doing fits with that um, kind of line of thought around does it increase equity, is it, is it a good project that would fit with us? Yep. Have that chat. Um, and then from there we can help you with the application if need be. Mm. So mm. We, we're trying to find ways to make it easier. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Some, some I love how you make that sound nice and simple. There's some, <laughs> there's some minimum requirements. Um, yeah. I think from a practical view, like if you were, say, someone that has a cool idea and you want to do something for your community, what would be some things that you should say, sort this out, maybe sort this out first or think about these things first so that when we talk to you, we can help you? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's essentially hopefully what we can do with that quick conversation first up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, you're always torn between having too much too much compliance and process, but then you're your auditors and other people say you've got to have these minimum things. Yeah. What we'd like to do is what we've done in the Innovation Fund, you know, we eventually get to the position where somebody can send us a video and some basic information yep. as a funding request. That mm, would be way mm. better than what, what we're doing today. Yeah, so yeah. We're, ke- we're keen to look at all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but not built in a day, so we'll just... Yeah. That's next year's. Awesome. COVID stole this year, so... <laughs> COVID, we can blame anything on yeah, COVID yeah. now, eh? Yeah, for 2020. Anything, everything. anything. I can see people are waiting for us for morning tea, but I just want a few more questions, eh? We could sneak a couple more in. Um, because I think looking at your history and, and what you've done with your life and um, the level of leadership that you have carried in the different organisations, I thought we can't have a conversation and not learn a little bit from you. Yeah. Um, but what would you say throughout your years as an executive leader? What have been your biggest lessons about about leading in a way that brings about positive change? Um, th- this is going to sound odd, but I think it's empathy. Nice. So, awesome. Uh, the secret ingredient, I've, I always search for leaders in the teams that, I, that I've led, and I also look for this ingredient in leaders that I follow. So the one thing that they've all had consistently is they're empathetic, mm. and they carry big sp- stick, but, but 
quietly and mm. softly. They're softly spoken, but when they talk, they're worth listening to. So I think the, the key ingredient for me has always been that empathetic, uh, mm. which, which comes to listening and understanding. Yeah. And you don't take your solution to the people. You wait for them to work with a solution to you. So for me, it's, it's critical. So I'd say the missing gene has always been empathy. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think the next one would be courage, which yeah. seems odd that you've got either end of the spectrum. Courage that if you think you're right, um, I remember sitting in a room with an executive. This is Mount Cook, way, uh, way back in my past. You know, mm. before I had grey hair. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have grey hair at one stage. And it looks good. And the marketing guy said to me, I had to go and do a board presentation, and it was on a it was on a ski bus operation that goes up uh, Mount Hart, and I was the project guy doing the feasibility of whether this would work and should we run them during the winter and all the rest of it. And I was really nervous, and, and the guy said to me, if you've done your homework and you're sure it's right in your gut, you stick to your guns. Mm, nice. And I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's but awesome. if you've done your homework and you think you've got it right, stick to it mm. and keep going and have the courage of your convictions. Yeah, cool. So I guess it's those two things for me. Empathy and courage. And I like that too because I just met you this morning and straight away you just started asking me about who I was and what I do. And I, I straight away thought, oh, this guy's actually pretty cool. You meet a lot of people in leadership <laughs> positions that think too highly of themselves. <laughs> or like the sound and of their own or voice. Or they want to know, you know, who are you, what's your title, before they'll, they'll really care about you as a person. So I think um, just in my small interactions with you, I can see that, that you live that. I'm very well. kind. Yeah. I think um, it'll be cool. I mean, you mentioned grey hair in a time before that you didn't have grey hair. Um, so there's obviously some longevity going on there. What a... Um, what are some of your tips for longevity and leadership? Yeah, so to be too old and wise, you've got to be dumb and stupid to start, right? <laughs> I love that quote. Uh, That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, so yeah, I've done plenty of that. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't have a whole lot of advice there. I think that um, in my career, I think I'd look back and go, luck played still to, uh, quite a big part. You know, mm. it doesn't matter how good you are and what you can do, but occasionally you just have to get lucky and you don't know why you've got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember my very first interviews in the same company at Mount Cook. It turned out that the chief executive used, used to play sport with my father, so my father was <laughs> quite a good hockey player. I didn't know that until I got there, and neither did he. Mm. Um, but immediately I was put at ease. Yeah. Yes. We had this connection, and we could go back to um, you know, those days, and, mm. and where my, my, my dad and his, his dad had this connection, so it was really awesome. So yeah. I, I think do your homework. Work hard and, and get lucky, <laughs> which you will do. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, I think there is an element eh, of a lucky break in there, but you've got to be present for that to happen. Eh? You've got to be, you've got to be there. You've got to be consistent in order to ha- get that break the and then take take that opportunity when it comes. Eh? Yeah. And um, what role do you think culture and values play in like leading a, a successful team and organisation? It's everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. So. <clears throat> uh, you know, you'll read this in, in sporting books, you read this in the All Blacks, you read it in, in any successful organisation, mm. is that, um, you know, people and culture will eat strategy for breakfast. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, that, that rule is still true today. Um, How do you so outwork that practically? So, so I can go through kind of the template which we've used, mm. but it has to be driven by the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I actually look at, um, in the days at Southern Cross, where the the company itself or the, the organisation, membership organisation, was very strong on member focus, but it had values which were imported from Hong Kong Shanghai Bank mm, and given right. to them by the directors. And so yeah. from, from day one we stopped and said, we'll build up what we believe are our core values from our people. Mm, yeah. And from that we'll actually list them out. And then we'll resonate 
back with ourselves to see if that's right mm. and if those will make us successful in the future. And we've done exactly the same at Foundation North. Yeah, we yeah. started a year ago talking about values and talking about what was important, what would make it successful. We've landed at the ones I've spoken about. I haven't talked about the last two, mm. which is, again, quite unique. Um, so we believe, we believe one of our core values is our core. So mm. the, the value of learning and um, one of those principles in Tao Māori, which, uh, Māori, which we've been really keen to import, is we learn at the pace of the slowest learner. Mm, that we nice. make sure that all boats rise at the same yeah, that's time. so nice. And that's so amazing as a concept. But if we take the next banner out to community groups, then we should look to learn and grow with our community groups. Yeah. Mm. So as a concept, it really resonates with, with us as a philanthropic organisations. And then the last one, which maybe you, I mean, you will see this in a lot of organisations, but not described as it is in Toreo, which is um, Tika, Pono and Araha. Mm. All together, we originally had them separate. We said these three things are separate, and and Paul on he said to us, "You can't have one without the other." Mm, right. And so, doing the right thing with care is our last value, and I think that's where the sense you're getting is nothing more than us living yeah, what are yeah. true values that we think will make us a good philanthropic organisation. So, it's everything. Mm. Culture is everything. It's yep. centred on values. You can send the conversations on values. You can have courageous conversations around those values. Mm, yeah. But as long as you come back to them, um, I think I think that it's you won't go wrong. Thank you so much for that. It's been choice to have you. Before we wrap up, do you want to ask us any questions? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> flip the switch. Why do you guys do what you do? What gets you out of bed to do this amazing mahi every single day? And yeah. what drives you? Yeah, um, I think I'm definitely driven by uh, people. I, I love, have always loved people. Um, I can totally um, align with you when you talk about empathy. I think um, we're being able to do what we do. I love storytelling. I love hearing people's stories. Mm. I love hearing their journeys. How did they, I'm really interested to know how they got where they are. And I'm pretty nosy, so I love to ask heaps of questions. So this is such a great fit this role for me because I get to meet people all the time and I get to be able to hear about their journeys and then through that how can we collaborate with them to or you know how can we collaborate together to get where we want to go and I think when when we got into business before we even got into business we always talked about um, and even when I was young actually I always wrestled with the thought of doing a job just for money because mm. you had to get paid and you, and like the thought I can remember at school the thought of going to a job at nine to five it was depressing <laughs> to me I was just like that's that can't be all there is to life mm. so I always wrestled with this around how can I do what I love doing and make a, a sustainable income out of it and it took a little while to land there but I was always a hustler from a young age and <laughs> yep. um, and I think we've landed in this place now where I get to use the skill sets the, the things that I'm passionate about in a way that it can create income um, and support my family but also our community which we're really passionate about as well mm. yeah so impressive yeah and for me I mean I was born and raised in Rotorua I was raised um I, like my grandparents had a big role in in my upbringing as, as well as my aunties and all of my cousins I'm at the older end of our generation so I was always had to look after my younger cousins and we were always we were raised in a big whanau we were raised connected to our marae we were raised to be part of a community and my grandfather always instilled in us to think of other people before ourselves mm. um, there's a few things on that that probably need balancing out but <laughs> I think that was always instilled 
in us from a very young age um, to be inclusive and to make sure that everyone was looked after. You know, if you only had one bread roll and there was ten of you, everyone still got a bite. You know, like yeah. that's just how how it was. And so I think that's ingrained in me. I think um, I've learned over time that that is what drives me, and I have a passion to. Uh, I have a like a fiery passion when I see people get ripped off, when I see that they have so much potential but mm. they don't know it or they can't access it and they can't bring it out. That's something that really fires me up, um, that injustice that takes place. So, um, yeah, I feel like I have I have that passion within me and then I, ha- I use that as, a, I guess, a motivation to say, well, if you want people to do that in their lives, you have to do that in your yeah. own life as well. And so yeah. that motivates me and pushes me yeah. to, you know, keep doing things that freak me out yeah. and keep growing what we're thinking about. And um, I mean, do, you've got to do what you ask of others. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and right now, I think what gets me out of the morning part of it is the fact that I don't have any choice now. Things are, are growing so quickly that if <laughs> I don't get up, <laughs> it no, might all kidding. come crashing down. <laughs> But at the same time, we, we actually genuinely get to do what we love and we've been able to build a team of, of people that we enjoy spending time with and, and you know, we get to build a culture and values that we believe in and we're enjoying Absolutely. that and people are jumping on the journey. So yeah. And it comes let's, from, let's go. Uh, you know, like uh, you talk about culture and um, w- uh, the way that, that you do it is just by... Being uh, it. living it and yeah. pr- showing it, and I think that by doing that, eh, we just live out the values and our culture here. Then mm. the team gets a hold of that, and it'll be s- the same for your organisation as well. Yeah, we had a really funny debate because um, fun didn't come out as a value. Mm. We kind of am- we're amused by that because it's one of the things that we do do. Yeah, yes. yeah. But it's a subset of doing what we believe is right. Yeah, mm. and we think it's awesome the Fokamana that if we come and celebrate with you. We should have fun doing it. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. so, percent. So I'm now expecting an invite back. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Party. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to come. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be in your inbox in three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. So I think good we, to have you I think today. we better wrap up as much as I'd love okay. to keep chatting. Uh, but we'll better share you with everyone else. But but you want to wrap us up, Bob? Yeah. Thank you so much. Just really appreciate actually the support that Van Foundation North um, has given us. Looking forward to just growing this collaboration together and seeing more of a presence out here. And real honour to have you um, share some of your wisdom and a little bit of your story with us here today. So, Peter Tynan, thank you. It was a real pleasure to have you. See you later. Thank you.